good morning. I am glad to be here with you this morning as we are beginning this series, brand new series. Um, the uh, one thing I want you to know about is uh, I, I have a very specific memory of my father's last words. Um, and I, I didn't tell a lot of people about what he said. It was very personal. It was very private, but oh my goodness, it was so meaningful to me. I did not know this was going to be my dad's last words. He did not know that, but wow, what a significant moment in my life was, uh, when I got to experience that. Um, some people, when you get to their last words, um, you, it's always kind of interesting um, to read what they are or what they were. Um, here's one for you. This was uh, this is one. Uh, he said this. He said, "Go on, get out." Mark, last words are for fools who haven't said enough. And that was by Karl Marx, um, the infamous, uh, some would say famous, I would say infamous uh, author of the Communist Manifesto. And then here was another one, Marie Antoinette. Uh, her last words were actually accidental. And after stepping on the, the foot of her executioner, she quickly apologized and said, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, and those were her last words, Marie Antoinette, who would soon be right after that beheaded during the French Revolution. And then there's another one. I really like this one when I ran across it. This was uh, from a uh, United States Union general, John Sedgwick, who foolishly said at the Battle of Gettysburg, sitting on his horse, he said, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And then right after that, he got hit right under the eye and he died. <laughs> and so those were his last words. But what if you knew that what you were getting ready to say were going to be your last words? What if you knew that? What if you um, knew that you were getting ready to die? What would you choose to say? And what you choose to say would honestly say a lot about you. So here's another one. This guy's name is John, uh, James Donald French. He was a convicted murderer, and he had time to think about what he was going to say. And just moments before he would be in the electric chair, as he's walking by uh, a row of reporters, here are his last words. He said, hey, fellas, how's this for tomorrow's headlines? French fries. <laughs> that was James Donald French. But think about it. If you knew that these were going to be your last words, what would you tell people? What would you say? And how important would those words be as you're choosing what they're going to be? How carefully would you choose those words? The things that you would want them to know, your last chance to say it, your final instructions before moving towards a possible painful event, or what if perhaps you are hearing someone's last words? what would you do with those words? And what if they were the last words from someone very, very important to you? What if it was from your mom or your dad or from a spouse? What if those last words were from Jesus? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. In fact, through this entire series, we're going to be looking at 
some of the last words of Jesus. In fact, they're really the last planned, prepared words by Jesus. And he prepared these for his closest followers just hours before he was going to be arrested and then face an illegal trial in the middle of the night. And then after that, before being executed by being nailed to the cross. And what we're going to teach and talk about during this series is just a portion of that last teaching. But he knows he's about to die. And John, the disciple, was there. And later, John wrote it all down. In fact, miraculously, we still have a copy of that today, along with the rest of scriptures. And so we still have access as the followers of Jesus to what he said and what he chose to teach as his last planned and prepared teaching. But let's set the scene. Before Jesus teaches this, they had just experienced the last Passover that Jesus would celebrate with his disciples on that side of heaven. And John tells us that Jesus, at the beginning of that, he picks up a towel and a bowl of water, and he begins the Messiah, Jesus, God himself, begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And then it's also at this time that Jesus sends Judas away for his final betrayal. And then Jesus, through that night and through the Passover, teaches the disciples some really important things. We talked about some of those this year. And then Jesus says, I don't have much more time. I, you know, I, I, I have more I would like to say to you, but I just don't have much time. I'm about to allow the evil one to have his way with me. And then after he finishes teaching, whatever he's going to say that evening around the Passover, he's done. And then almost kind of abruptly, it's as it's written, he says, okay, let's go. And they get up and they leave that room. And the disciples follow Jesus into the dark of that Jerusalem night. They go down the stairs from that upper room, um, and they begin to make their way towards the Mount of Olives. And it's the place where Jesus knows that he's going to be arrested. And as they walk down the hill inside of the city of Jerusalem with the streets, they're careful to avoid the Temple Mount because it is Passover after all, and it is crowded with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But Jesus, he turns right in the city, and then he leads them out of the city wall, the city gate, and he's going to take a sharp turn to the left and follow what's called the Kidron Valley. And he would follow that towards their destination. Now, the disciples are probably moving in single file at this time behind Jesus, because now on their way to the Mount of Olives, they're going through a grape vineyard, uh, and it's full of, uh, of, of, of vines that are part of a, a, a regular vineyard. And so they're walking between these rows of vines. Behind them, uh, if you were to look behind them, you could see the city walls around the ancient city of Jerusalem. But ahead of them is going to be the Mount of Olives. And it is right here in this vineyard that Jesus chooses to stop and he's surrounded by rows of grapevines, and it's uh, during the, the cool of the evening, the night air, and the disciples probably begin to gather close to Jesus because obviously Jesus is getting ready to teach them something. 
And Jesus probably reaches down for a branch at this time off of the grapevine, and that branch is beginning to show signs of new spring life, spring growth, and Jesus begins this planned teaching. And we're going to be reading through some of that this morning, and I want to begin right now. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 1. He said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. And then for the next few moments, Jesus there stopped in that vineyard, begins to teach them one last time on this side of the cross. And he talks about branches, and he talks about grapes, and he talks about how the vine dresser, the gardener, is going to work in this prized vineyard of his. And all of this while Jesus is knowing what Jesus himself is getting ready to face. But at the same time, he also knows what his followers are going to be facing, not going to turn out the way the disciples think that it's going to turn out. And Jesus has been trying to prepare them over this last three years he spent with them. But as we know, in reading the letters and the biographies, they didn't have a clue really still of what was coming. Things are going to take a devastating for them, drastic turn. But like any disciples, even today, many of us as Christ followers, we discovered for ourselves even that following Jesus is different perhaps than we expected, because life can leave us feeling so confused and hurt and disillusioned and let down, wondering why would God allow this to happen in my life or allow this to happen to the person that I love? Why? And then we look at innocent children, and we think, why would God allow this to happen to them? We see evil in the world and how it impacts us and how it impacts the people we love. And it can begin to destroy our faith. And at times, especially when we're not ready for it, it surprises us. We don't understand why these things are happening. And sometimes we can even feel betrayed by God. Because life is turning out one way, and we had imagined it another way. The way we had hoped it would turn out, and the way we planned for it to turn out, it's not turning out. So here on this night, as Jesus is talking to these disciples, and as he knows what he's getting ready to face and knows what they are getting ready to face, Jesus pauses just hours before his death. And he delivers this one last planned, prepared teaching for his followers, where he begins to reveal the Father's plan. It's a plan that's going to keep his children flourishing physically and emotionally and flourishing spiritually, no matter what might happen to them, no matter what might happen around them. So these are among the last words of Jesus. And here he said, I am the true grapevine. Jesus saying, I am the grapevine, not me, Harley. Jesus said, I am, and not you. You're not the grapevine, and not even Israel. Israel is not the grapevine. Jesus is the vine. It's that main trunk that grows out of the ground. 
And in the first century, very much even like today, in a vineyard, the grapevine that grows up out of the ground only grows to about waist high. And then that grapevine is going to stretch out in one direction. It'll go one way. Sometimes they allow it to stretch out in two directions. It doesn't go real far, but it goes out a little ways. And then from there, all the branches grow out in many different directions. And in fact, as you look at one of those grapevines, especially if it's growing out in two directions, it really gets big and bulky right in the middle. And Jesus says, that vine, that vine, that is me. And then he says, and my father is the gardener. God the father is the keeper of the vineyard. It's all his. It's Papa's. It is all his vineyard, every bit of it. And his task as the gardener, as the keeper, his task is to produce as many grapes as possible. Because that's the goal, after all. The father's goal is a huge harvest. And the gardener keeps a very close eye, a caring, loving eye on all the branches that are growing from the vine. And he stays busy. And Jesus describes it. He says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more fruit. And then he reminds them, yes, in verse 5, I am the vine, you, speaking to his disciples, his followers, you, are the branches. And the whole purpose, the whole goal of the gardener is to produce fruit, and he wants as much fruit as possible. It's why he spends so much time focusing on every single branch attached to that vine, you and me, if you're a follower of Jesus. He spends so much time on the branches, the gardener does, the vine dresser, because that's where the fruit shows up, and that's the purpose. And much like today, those vineyard branches, so the vine stretches out, and those vineyard, vineyard branches are, are tied to a trellis, to a, a series of lines. And as the branches are tied to the lines, that allows air to circulate around the branches. It allows the sunlight to get to the leaves uh, more easily. And it also allows the vine dresser, the gardener, more access to all of those branches. And he does all of this so that the branch can produce as much fruit as possible. And then Jesus goes on. He says, Those who remain in me, those branches who are followers of Jesus that remain in him, in Jesus, and I in them will produce much fruit. And he says, for apart from me, very famous verse here, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Think about this. Just before his death, Jesus wants them to understand that this is the purpose. God's plan is to produce a bunch of fruit. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. He goes on, verse 8. When you produce much fruit, 
He says, you're, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God's plan for every single branch connected to the vine is, is connected to Jesus, is to produce great amounts of fruit from those lives, proving, Jesus says, that they are truly connected to, to Jesus. And in doing so, it's bringing great glory to God. But what is Jesus talking about when he says fruit? I mean, what exactly is this fruit that he's talking about? I mean, it's, it's a relevant question. I think we should know and understand, I think. And as we look through the Gospels, as we look through the biography accounts of Jesus, what he did and what he said, what he taught, and how he was constantly talking about about lives being changed and continuing to change, I think it becomes very clear to us that every single area of all of our lives is worshiping something. The only question is what or who are we worshiping? Within every area of your life, you have an interaction you interact with God with every single area of your life. And you also interact with other image bearers of God, which those are just people. And it's in those moments in your interactions with God, your interactions with others, where you see fruit. And this fruit comes because we're all connected, as Jesus is saying, to the vine. Now think about it. Whether we're talking about your boss, and your interactions that you have at work, or whether we're talking about your interactions with a coworker, the fruit is present because of your connection to the vine. And that fruit, Jesus is saying, should be visible. When you're interacting with a customer, if you're in a customer-friendly job, as you interact with that customer, you're dealing with them as you're driving to work, and there are other uh, people driving to work as well, your interactions with those other drivers and other cars, your fruit should be the result of your connection to the vine. It should, Jesus is saying, should be visible. I mean, even if it is time for you to clean your home and nobody's around, or when you're at the store and you're talking to the cashier or you're on your break at work or you're watching TV or you're on your phone or you're on your computer, all of those moments, something is always perpetually coming out of your life and it is always visible eventually to others. And what Jesus is teaching is for every branch on his vine, he wants only his fruit, only his fruit, because his fruit brings glory to God. Now, we could be asking today, what is coming out of your life? We could be asking that. What kind of fruit? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it selfish? Is it selfless? But as we look closely at this teaching of Jesus, Jesus is using the example of fruit, or he says there's no fruit. So we're going to stick with that for this series. 
Today, instead of asking what is coming out of your life, we're going to ask this question, is his fruit coming out of your life? And if so, how much of it? But before we get there, let's not forget that Jesus is reminding his followers that if your life is connected to him, it is not by accident that you're connected to God. It doesn't just happen. God initiated it. It's on purpose, and it is for a purpose. Listen to how Jesus explains it. In verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I think that's one of the biggest lies of the evil one is, oh, we can just choose Jesus whenever we want. Apparently, Jesus says, no, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Jesus is saying, I initiated this whole thing, including the fruit. I initiated it, not you. And after he initiated it, you submitted and participated. You submitted to his plan if you're a follower of Jesus. His plan. Okay. What is that plan? Jesus said that plan is for the branches to stay connected to the vine so they produce lasting fruit and lots of it. It's unmistakably clear that Jesus is saying he wants some certain things in and through your life. He wants fruit. And as we think about that, we think about some of the fruit that we read about in Scripture. We think about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We think about those things because those are, according to God's Word, fruit of His Spirit, His fruit. And He wants to produce it in you. And that fruit, which He produces... It flows from your life into the world around you as even more fruit. That fruit, which he produces, flows into the lives of other people around you who interact with you on a daily basis. Now think about this with me. You're not going to take anything with you out of this world. I'm not either. We came in with nothing, we're going to leave with nothing, except fruit is the only permanent deposit that we leave in heaven. Jesus is describing that real fruit lasts. That's what he's saying, real fruit lasts, not temporary Temporary is not going to last. Temporary fruit, it's just here for a little while. It's just here for a season. Fake fruit never lasts. Sure, out of our lives, we can squeeze a little something, a little some kind of fruit out of our lives, something that resembles fruit. And at a glance, it might look like fruit, but unless it's from God, It's not going to last. In fact, real lasting fruit is the main reason that after you become a follower of Jesus, why you're still here. 
Because now God wants all the glory from the fruit that your life is going to produce while you're here. This is so important. I'm not left here to make my dreams come true. Let me say that again. I am not left here when I become a follower of Jesus to make my dreams come true. We are left here to bring about what God has dreamed up, to bring about what God desires, and to bring about what God wants. Our dreams, they are far too small. And usually our dreams focus on us. I mean, maybe the best I can do is to focus on my family and children, maybe. But our dreams are too small. Even if it's just our family and children, they're too small. Our dreams are too small. We are here to fulfill the plan and the desires of God our Father. Sound selfish on God's part? Well, maybe so. But his glory is the only glory that's going to last. And it's the fruit from our lives that's going to bring him more and more glory. And yet, at the same time, when we do this, when our lives are producing fruit that is glorifying to God, that's also going to bring us the greatest personal fulfillment. It produces a satisfaction that absolutely nothing else can touch in this life. And while we have a tendency to think that fruit just automatically happens, that fruit just naturally grows, Jesus is saying, "Mm -mm, no, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't just happen. To really produce fruit, branches must be connected to the vine, and they must respond to the vine dresser. Jesus paints us a picture revealing that every single branch has great potential. But when harvest day arrives, each branch is going to produce a different sized crop. Jesus actually gives us a Four very clear pictures of what our lives might be adding up to for God. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking about the branch. And in this term, talking about the harvest. So today we're going to be talking about the branch. And we're going to be talking about the basket. So here's the first picture that Jesus paints and he describes. The first one is the branch or the basket that has absolutely nothing. It's empty. I mean, as you're looking at the vine and you look at some of those branches attached to the vine, when you look at some of those branches, there's not a single grape. There is no fruit in sight. And Jesus describes them as a branch in me that does not bear fruit. How disappointing because that's not the goal. But then he describes a second basket, a a second branch. And he says, oh, there's something growing in that one. 
I mean, at a glance, it might look empty, but when you get in there real close, and if you look at that branch and you study it real hard, and you look real deep in there behind the leaves, you might find a little something. There's at least something there. And Jesus says, that's the second group. There is something there. You can find something. You can find some grapes if you look really, really, really hard. They're tucked up in there. And Jesus describes them as a branch that bears fruit. Yeah, there was something there. If you look hard enough, it's not always obvious. You can't really see it. It might just look like everything else around them without anything on it. But if you look really hard, you might. There's not a lot, but there's something. But then he describes the third group, the third basket, the third branch. And he says this one is more than half full. I mean, there's actually some in there. More is being produced. Other branches, you know, they might be barren. There might not be much there. But this one, there's just more there. It's more fruit. But Jesus is saying that's not even the goal. More fruit is not even the goal. He talks about basket number four. And that's the basket that produces much fruit. It bears much fruit. And this is what God the Father desires. This is what the gardener wants. He wants all of his branches, which are connected to Jesus, bearing much fruit. And each one of us, according to Jesus, if you are connected to him, you are a branch that is producing a clearly defined level of fruit. It's either no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, or much fruit. I thought I should write a children's book next week. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, or much fruit. The father's the gardener, and he wants more and more. Do you see how that's progressive? No fruit, some fruit, more fruit than much fruit. And that's why Jesus describes him as the father as actively tending our lives, increasing our harvest. We go from, all of us, from no fruit to some fruit. And then he moves us from some fruit to more fruit. And then he moves us from more fruit to much fruit because he wants overflowing baskets, overflowing branches, overflowing lives. And it is always possible to have more fruit because we are created to bear more and more and more. And so as we begin this series this morning, we're simply asking you to take an inventory of your harvest. Take an inventory right now. First, are you bearing his fruit? Are you bearing his fruit? And if you are, if the answer is yes, then the question is, how much fruit are you bearing right now? You see, bearing fruit is, it is for all believers, all followers of Jesus. Bearing fruit is the destiny of every single believer. Jesus chose 
to produce large amounts of fruit in your life. And Jesus expects that your life is going to bear and produce large amounts of fruit. So we are created to actually desire fruit to be produced out of our lives. How can we ever find fulfillment if our basket is half empty? And the answer is we can't. Our bottom line statement this morning says this. You weren't created to make your small desires a reality. You were created to make God's desires a reality. Fruit. It's everything that you do. It's everything that you say. It's how you interact with God. It's how you interact with all the other image bearers of God, which are all the other people out there. So in your life, is your fruit loving? Is it joyful? Keep in mind, Jesus is teaching these followers who are about to face a hellacious life. Things are going to drastically change, and Jesus knows, and he said, in spite of what is happening to you and in spite of what is happening around you, is your life producing fruit that is loving, that is joyful, that is peaceful, that is patient, that is kind and good and faithful and gentle and controlled? <laughs> because those are the fruits that come when you are connected and relying on the vine. This morning, we have a few simple next steps for you. First is to take an inventory. How has your fruit production been this year? Next question. Is it better or worse? than last year. And I would add to that, or is it just the same? Because remember, he wants more and more and more. Here's another question. We're going to kind of change directions here for just a moment. With whom do you have influence because of the fruit that is being produced in your life? With whom do you have influence? Is there someone in your life that is there because of the fruit that God is producing out of your life? That is a really important question. And then finally, come back next week. And we would say, begin the process of encouraging those people who are in your life to maybe sit in a chair beside you. So think with me, who is this person that because of the fruit that you're allowing God's spirit, again, it's not because you're forcing yourself 
to be patient. You're forcing yourself to be kind and gentle. It's beginning, it's because this fruit is beginning to happen. It's spirit-led, spirit-motivated. It's be- so this fruit that you're allowing the spirit to produce in your life, who is a person in your life that is there because that fruit is being produced by God's spirit and they are now drawn to you. And because of that fruit, you now are beginning to have influence in that person's life. And here's where we're going with this side of the fruit. Could you possibly take that influence and use it for good? Could you use it for good? Could you leverage that influence? to maybe see that person one day connected with the vine, with Jesus? And if they're already connected, but they're just kind of out there, they're not connected to the body of Christ, what is described in the new covenant as the ecclesia, the gathering of believers, and maybe you could see them connected to this gathering, sitting right beside you. And whomever this person is that maybe is coming to your mind, here's my question. Would you, through the course of this series, possibly invite them? Use that influence for good, leverage that for good before this series is over and see if they might be sitting beside you. And I'm just going to give you a heads up because if they can be beside you during this month of September, I can't tell you enough how important the series we're going to be teaching in October is to you, your future, their future, your eternity, their eternity. And if they will sit beside you now, there's a good chance they might sit beside you in October. We just spent an entire month talking about the foundation that Paul helped to lay in the lives of new believers. And we promised you that this month of September that we were going to help you build upon that foundation. And that's what this series is about. It's for you. Primarily for you who are already connected to Jesus. That's what it's about. And this next series in October is going to be so important as a follow-up to this series. Oh, it's going to be so important. But if they're sitting beside you for this series, They might be here for October as well. So we're asking, can you possibly leverage for good that influence and see them connected to Jesus the vine and maybe to this gathering, the church? And whomever it is, invite them. Leverage that for good. Before this series is over, they might be sitting right beside you. And here's an important part of this next step. If you can't think of anyone right now who is drawn to you because the fruit that God is producing in your life, he's producing, not because you're squeezing out a little tiny raisin, dried up raisin. Nobody likes raisins. (laughs) How, How are we in 2023 still selling raisins at Walmart? dried up little piece of grape. Disgusting. 
I spent years of my life popping out raisins. Jesus wants to produce mega fruit, all right? But if you can't think of anyone in your life that is drawn to you because of what God is putting out of your life, if your interactions with other people are sending them running the other way, <laughs> instead of drawing them in towards you, then maybe we need to take very seriously that fruit inventory. And we really need to have a conversation with Jesus about what is coming out of our lives. And finally, this week, would you just simply consider either memorizing or just reflecting often on John chapter 15, verse 16. John 15, 16. And then let me just say this. I'm getting ready to give you my phone number. So just if, if you need to shoot me a text, I want you to have it. If you are not yet connected to Jesus, the vine, shoot me a text. I'm not going to pressure you. Just shoot me a text if you want to talk about it. If you're not yet connected to Jesus the vine, I would love to talk to you about it. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to force you. Just shoot me a text. Here's my number. 870-674-7021. One more time. 870-674-7021. And let's talk. But all of us, let's take that inventory this week. What's coming out of our lives? Is it his fruit? How much is there? And let's talk to Jesus about that. Let's pray. God, I am so very sorry within my own life. I am so sorry for the fact that so many years I have not allowed you to produce in my life what you desire. And God, I ask you to forgive me. God, for so many of us in this room this morning and listening online, so many of us, we have been we have been living our lives pursuing our own dreams. We haven't been pursuing your dream. We've been just living in our own small little world. Help us to understand that through this series, you can help us to produce more and more Father, with more and more and more glory. Help us to make those eternal deposits in heaven. And it's in the name of Jesus, our